Do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Saviour, me? <laughs> <laughs> So hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Excommunicated Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Tom. Insert cricket sounds here. Oh, where is he? Yep, once again it's just me and Tom here today. Arthur can't be with us. Oh, Arthur, where are you? He has his internet in, but we had um, actually a Skype call with him and Alex yesterday. It was very pixelated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, their internet still isn't the best, is it? But hopefully he can join us again soon. Um, and in the meantime, Tom and I will be continuing the Plymouth Brethren series. This week, looking at... Money, money, money. Must be funny. In a rich man's world. <laughs> if you've never listened to us before, Tom and I are ex-Christians who are talking through our deconversion journeys after decades in the church. Oh, so long. Mm-hmm. Too, too long. And this is the sixth episode of our Plymouth Brethren series. Last week, we talked about fornication. Oh, man. And if you didn't uh, know anything about that, maybe go back and listen to that one, because that was a uh, a doozy. Or <laughs> if you value your mental health, don't go back no, and listen don't. to that one. Oh, man, that was painful, wasn't it? It was definitely painful for you and shocking for me. Yeah, certainly. I mean, even today is going to be quite painful, to be fair, but... Uh, yeah, it's uh, this isn't an easy series, I'm telling you, and no. I'm finding it quite difficult um, because I'm having to deep, deep dig so deep mm-hmm. uh, into my thoughts and feelings and everything, and it, it's been quite, quite harsh, I must admit. Yeah, thoughts and feelings aren't something that are naturally easy for you. No, thinking, yeah, for one is is bad, but actually, uh, things which, yeah, my feelings are are quite difficult for me, aren't they? Um, it's because I've shut them off all of my life to survive. And mm-hmm. uh, so now to actually try to dig out those feelings has been quite painful, I must admit. Yeah. yeah. Not pleasant. But for a little bit of context, in case you haven't been listening to this series at all, Tom grew up in the Plymouth Brethren Church with his family and left at around 18, 19. 18, yeah, when I went off to uni, so that sort of age. Yeah, certainly. So he spent almost two decades. Yeah, but it didn't stop there because obviously... Um, even though I left the Plymouth Brethren, I went to other churches, but um, I was still treated as though I was in the Plymouth Brethren. Mm-hmm. So uh, because my father was an elder in the church, my mother, the dutiful wife, um, it meant to say that um, I was still treated as though I was in the Plymouth Brethren. Mm-hmm. Um, so all their values and everything else were were pushed upon me, Yeah, if I can say that. Yeah. And of course, you then were a leader in other Christian churches, and you, you've pretty much done it all when it comes to church. Yeah, it's thankfully, I've done it all now because, uh, yeah, I don't have to do it again. But, yeah, we've we've been to a number of different denominations, and uh, as I said, I've been a leader, I've been a local preacher, I've been, you know, yeah, I've done it. I believed it, um, and I tried to tell others about it. Yay, like me, Yay, for instance. Yeah, sorry. But likewise now, we're trying to tell others about not doing it. Yeah. Uh, and I feel good about that, actually. Um, my ministry has changed, if I can call it a ministry. Um, and Please I'm, don't. No. Um, looking back at these last podcasts, I still feel as though I'm not coming in hard enough because I have a tendency of everything being great because that's how I survived. Yeah. Um and so uh you know it was yeah it wasn't so bad mm-hmm. guys you know that was fine and I suppose also because I've been out of it now for a couple of years you look back at it um not so 
not so much in a negative way you know in in times when you look back in history in your life you remember the good things you don't necessarily remember all the bad things unless you dig deep because when you're not in it anymore you forget how painful it yeah, was yeah that's what i mean yeah that's what i'm i'm trying to say yeah it was it was painful times but mm. i've forgotten the pain um these sessions have been good for me but i'm sure i'm still not getting across a lot of mm. what i should be saying especially i mean the fornication one afterwards we sat down and we said, we forgot to mention this and this, yeah. and you could have mentioned this. I'm sure there's another whole episode in the fornication yeah. um, just in itself because you forget so much. And and because I'm positive, I try not to, or I try to, you know, spin the positive side of things. Yeah, so so it's difficult, really. And I realize, guys out there, you know, there's a lot of you that have gone through so much more than me. And... I suppose I don't want to say, oh, I had it so bad when I know that you've had it far worse in a sense. So um, that's maybe another side of me that's that's trying to downplay, s- downplay it, yeah. it in a sense, because I realize that seriously, you know, you you have had bad times. But these episodes are just about your experience. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and what you went through in the Plymouth Brethren. Um, and, and they were or they are yes. a very, very strict sect of Christianity. Some stricter than others, but most definitely, yeah, very strict. Um, Who believe in New Testament teachings. Yes, that's right. They base their church on New Testament principles, but they do obviously draw a lot from the Old Testament as well, especially the, the they love the law. Mm-hmm. Um, So they, they base a lot from that as well. So uh, they pick and choose, obviously, what yep. they want, yep. um, like all Christians do. Um, so if, uh, if something meets what they want to say, then, oh yeah, they'll, they'll pull it up from the Old Testament. Um, if it doesn't quite work, they'll probably forget that. That was yeah. for those times. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. So hats, yeah, that's really important. We're going to pull that up. That's fantastic. Speaking in tongues, mm, no, no, that was for those times. Exactly, yeah. Certainly. yeah. Even though it's in the same book. No, 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 no. That was for, for the, the start of the church. Yeah, so. They chose their favorite bits from the Bible. Yeah, yeah, sure. And discarded the rest. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it, really? So today we're going to be talking about money. Why? Money is, um, for me, is, is a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them, I think, is an even bigger issue. Yeah. And it's the love of money which I think is is the issue here that we're talking about. Um, because even though the, the, the love of money is sin, is a sinful thing, I still believe, and I can't, you know, this is a blanket term, I can't say for everyone, obviously, because that's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. But the people I've come into contact with within the Brethren Church, there seems to be um, people who love money. And value it kind of above everything else. Yeah, yeah. It's because of the term which we say every week is that the Plymouth Brethren know everything about, about everything. everything. Because they are they would class themselves as professional people. And professional people being doctors and, you know, sort of lawyers and accountants and all these sorts of people. Professional in their eyes meaning rich yeah yeah certainly they fail to understand that a professional person can be on minimum wage or a professional person can be in like a low band salary sure 
a professional person can be a nurse. Yes. But nurses, as we know, do not get paid nearly enough. No, certainly. You know? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So it always grates me the wrong way that they call professional people when they mean rich people. Yeah, certainly. Professional can mean anything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, these, these people, uh, I think of the people within my church. So, again, I'm just talking about my church. Um, they were in very good jobs. And so they had a lot of money. Yeah. Um, they were um, all in, I'm saying all again, many of them were in detached houses in very affluent places within the city. And they so because of that, they would have to drive to the church mm-hmm. in their cars. Well, they had a car for a start, sometimes more than one car. Uh, the cars were new or, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much new. Yeah, they wouldn't drive in their old little banger to church. And when they arrived, they would arrive in their suits, the lady in suits as well, with hats. Mm-hmm. Um, not trouser suits, but, you know, sort of, they would class them as suits, don't they? Like, like dress, dress suits. suits. Yeah. yeah. Like or we ta- a dress, yeah. Yeah, like we talked about in, in previous episodes, their appearance was like a point of pride for them. And so they, yes. would, they would dress as though they were going to a wedding. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Every Sunday. In fact, um, many of the women, if they went to a wedding... Um, the next week they would wear that wedding um, outfit to to church mm-hmm. um, with the hat. Mm. Um, so you know you knew when they'd been to a wedding because oh there there she is it's, that was her daughter's wedding and this is their daughter's wedding's suit you know type yeah. type situation. And it was another way to show that you were doing all right in life. Yeah, it's you know, affluent. Got... You know, yeah, certainly. Um, and they were driving to this um, sort of housing estate, you know, from their detached houses, in their nice new cars, in their suits, to an estate, um, which was um, deprived, you mm-hmm. know, um, many unemployed, um, many finding it difficult in life. Um, and there they were, you know, parking up outside this church and then all waltzing in, you know, one at a time or, or hand in hand into the church, almost as a statement. But they believed they were almost missionaries to the poor. You know, it was like, oh, no, we are we are bringing the good news to the poor type situation. You know, this but here that, we are. That is so hilarious that they thought they were doing that, because as we talked about in your previous episodes, like the evangelism episode. They were quite a closed door church. Yes. You know, it was like members only meetings. Yes, that's and right. And secret kind of services yeah, almost sure. to a degree. Yeah, almost, yeah, certainly. So how were they missionaries? They would do their their missionary acts, I suppose, but by just looking nice, they thought that was saving people. Yeah, and you know, almost they would go to the poor and needy and uh, and maybe have an event and say, "Well, look at us, you know, in our in our wonderfulness, you know, mm-hmm. and you too could be like us, maybe. Um, they looked down on. They really did you know, look people down. People who weren't rich. Yeah, and and as I said before, um, I remember on one occasion a lady did come to church, and uh, through her children being in the Sunday school, um, and she was poor, and she really was poor, and so and uh, they gave her suits so that she could look exactly like them it wasn't a church where you went in and you walked in and there were some people of you know of this social standing and that and different ages and sizes and shapes and do you know what I mean it was all you conformed almost you walked into that church you could look in you think my goodness me everyone looks exactly the same here um my goodness me my goodness me um yeah everyone looked the same and 
So you can imagine anyone coming in, they just wouldn't feel... Accepted. Accepted, mm-hmm. no, unless they conformed. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, money was, was very important to them. Um, and uh, they... As far as I'm aware, and again, you know, I'm I'm trying to remember back. As far as I'm aware, they never taught, you know, give money. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas we have been to some churches where we've had series of, you know, you must give money now and, and give lots of it. Like tithing. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So there were never um, any forms of teaching that way. I suppose to be fair, they didn't, the only time they had teaching was during their own Bible study and um on a Tuesday, um, because the evenings were gospel services and mm-hmm. the mornings were breaking of bread, so you wouldn't do any teaching there. Yeah. So you know the only teaching you would have would be in the Bible study, um, and they didn't really teach about giving. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not sure whether this is correct or not, but I have a, a bit of an idea about this due to the fact that they were so wealthy, mm-hmm. and if they tithed. They would have to give a lot of yeah. money to yeah. the church, you know, a lot of money to the church. Um, and so I think they, this is one of the things where they picked and choose or yeah. picked and chose uh, their ideas. Because uh, let's do a bit of Bible stuff. Okay, you ready? Okay. So in Leviticus 27.30, it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Um, and so that's something which people in churches used to sort of quote all the time. Yeah, you've got to give a tenth of what you earn, of what you grow, of of even your time. We yeah. went to one church and they said, oh, you've got to give a tenth of your time to God. I would say every church I've ever been in promotes tithing. Yes. Like enthusiastically. Yeah, certainly. Um, as I said, we went to one place and it was a four-week series on on tithing, on mm-hmm. giving church. Not just tithing, but then tithing and offerings. Yes. So give your 10% and then give us some more, please. Mm-hmm. You know, give us more of what you think God has put on your heart to give, you know. Yeah, guilt tripping. Yes, yes, certainly. Because I really do need that new car. And so, mm-hmm. you know, please just give a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but that didn't happen in this church, as I said. And I think it's because one of the reasons is they were so wealthy. The other reason is they believed that that wasn't taught in the New Testament. And these were New Testament uh, supposedly beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tithing was uh, an institution of the Church of England and the Roman Catholics and those other churches, which they believed were wrong anyway. And yeah. when I was growing up, I, I mean, they did honestly honestly believe that there wasn't a Christian in the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. And they were pretty strongly, pretty, yeah, pretty strongly believed that there weren't a lot in the Church of England Church either. So they were completely anti-vicars and, and priests and all this sort of stuff. I mean, in big, big time. Mm-hmm. Like they thought they were all going to hell. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, so um, then on top of that, oh, you need to tithe. It's like, no, no, that's part of those churches who are going to hell anyway. I mean, they they have got it right. It's only the brethren that know everything about everything you know so so they just dismiss that teaching yeah certainly um and uh there is um a, a website wearefaith.org okay um where it actually says this that tithing was uh instituted in the church during the sixth century so before then 
it wasn't part of things anyway. They were told the early church were meant to meet together and share their belongings mm -hmm. and share their food and share their money um, and get on together that way. It wasn't a case of, you know, give us some money. And uh, Paul said, give us some money and then, you know, we'll be all right type mm -hmm. of thing. So the church supported um, itself really with free will offerings. As I said, so Paul, the people give food and everything else uh, for about 300 years. But then the Roman emperor Constantine came along, brought Christianity under the rule of the Roman Empire. Uh, and uh, from that point on, tithing became a part of the Christian church. Yeah. The Roman Church or the Roman Catholic Church. And we know, I think they've got a bob or two. I think they're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think we have to set up a GoFundMe yet. No, no. Um, so it's literally, so again, you just think, well, wait a minute. This is, you know, Christians have just plucked stuff out of the air. We've got a minister. We need to pay him. Tithing is really important because it says that in Leviticus, even though it's the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really important we give a tenth. I mean, that was under the old Jewish laws. I mean, that was really old laws, you know. Uh, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about it twice, that's all. Okay. So he rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees on one occasion, Yeah. Uh, Matthew 23, talking about it, um, saying almost that um, they're following regulations of the Jewish law, um, but their heart was still messed up yeah um and it'd be so much better if their heart was was clear and and basically their their money wasn't important in that sense you know yeah jesus was never a big fan of like money loving no you know yeah that's it i mean in fact um and some of the stories are you know when he didn't have the tax um to give to the government at the time and he uh they pulled out a fish and pulled the the coin out of the fish's mouth to pay the tax it's almost like he didn't have money at the time. He was, yeah. you know, quite a uh, poor, I, I suppose, traveling preacher, if you want to call it that way, that went around and, and tried to um, sort of teach people about living well. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, so, yeah, he wasn't someone that went around and said, you know, give me money, everyone. Mm -hmm. You need to give me money so that I can I can preach more. And have a nice car. Yeah, a donkey. Um, my donkey is a bit worn out. Uh, I would like, like to get another one with, uh, with a proper saddle or something. No, he didn't do that. He walked around and, uh, and, and got food from the area, from people, his supporters, and uh, lived a very quiet life in that sense, financially. So yeah, he was pretty anti it. Again, the other time when he mentioned it was to the rich young ruler who had everything. And he said, how can I get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, well, sell all that you've had and give it to the poor and then you'll be able to come in. So yeah. it was a case of money's not important. Mm -hmm. Jesus was quite, as you said, quite anti-money. And uh, and he literally says it's more important how you treat people yes. than how much you have yes. or how nice you look. Yes, He was all about allegedly yeah being nice to people yeah i mean and, being generous yeah and if you look at him as a spiritual guru if we can look at him that way rather than the son of god um you know he went around almost teaching look, love one another guys let share your food you know look after each other it was those sorts of things um he wanted to overthrow the 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 regime that was there at the time he wanted to overthrow the the pharisees and the sadducees he didn't like that um, because they were so full of themselves and full of the law. Yeah. And that's almost 
now let's bring it back to the brethren. That's almost what they were. They were full of the law and they're full of themselves. And how they looked. And, and how, how they looked. they appeared to people and how much money they had. Yeah. But they manipulated the word of God or they manipulated the Bible because it wasn't the word of God. Yeah. Uh, um, but they manip- manipulated the, the Bible to to suit their needs exactly so, yeah um well it doesn't say tithing and no it doesn't say tithing in in the uh, in the new testament so it's like great don't have to do that then um so they didn't tithe no at all did they give any money uh, so yeah i mean on a sunday morning uh, we would have the little um velvet red bag go around Ooh. um which was the most joyful time for me at, because i knew as soon as that went around it was during the breaking of bread service it was only for the members uh and uh, again their teaching was you know only the members give money to look after the church it's not for all the other people to pay for the upkeep of the church and um, the reason why i loved it was because as soon as that bag went around it was the end of the service it's like oh finally i can yeah. i can you know relax type thing you know so yeah they they basically gave um and i don't know how much they gave the church was paid for they didn't have a minister um they had tea and coffee to pay for they had um heating to pay for but you know that's probably all really maybe things with the sunday schools and books and things like that but you know, mm-hmm. we're not talking about vast expenses here. No, the building itself was paid for by like a trust. Yes, wasn't certainly. It? Yes. So the members of your parents' church yeah. didn't really have any upkeep because they weren't paying. No. One of the leaders, like the leaders, were all volunteers. Exactly, and yeah. there was no tax, obviously, mm-hmm. so they didn't have to pay tax to the government or anything because that's all free. So just tea and coffee money. Yeah. So at the end of the day when they gave it was giving to maybe special events or they did have some missionaries they paid for brethren missionaries oh of course um but um yeah it's it was a case of well they had quite a bit and these were people with a lot of money so they didn't really have to give that much to keep the church going put it that way no and like 10 percent of these people's wages is a lot of money to be yeah. sat in a pot somewhere. Yes, that's it. And that's and maybe reading between the lines, maybe that's what they thought. You know, what's the point of having, you know, 10 grand sat in a pot? I'm saying 10 grand. It could be so much more. But, you know, 10 grand sat in a, in a pot when it could be 10 grand sat in my bank account. The thing with that is, though, Christians, again, are meant to be charitable mm-hmm. and generous. They yeah. could look at that as 10% that they could give to charities yes or even people in the local area like you said running events and and offering them support yeah i mean they could give ten thousand pound at that time to a food bank let's say uh imagine you know what the what the actual community would think if all of a sudden the little church down the road says hey guys here's ten thousand pound to stock it yeah it was more important to be in their bank account and they found their little loophole yes in the bible to say we don't have to tithe yeah I think so. Okay. Yeah. So what was your teaching about giving? So I was, uh, as soon as I was um, within fellowship, which is as soon as I uh, was baptized, if I had any money, I was told I had to give some to the church. Like pocket money or? I didn't actually have pocket money ever. 
um, I got a paper round mm-hmm. um, and then obviously I started work. But when I started work, I was told I needed to give money to the church. And you're um, like 12 to 15 when you have your paper round. Yeah, that sort of thing. So I'm not sure how much I would have got then, but I probably would have had to give a, a pound or two mm-hmm. uh, even then. Um, and uh, and certainly when I started work, I remember it had to be a piece of paper money, not not coins to actually give to the church, you know. So um, how much would you have been giving? So probably about five pound, and I was earning about forty at the time. Um, that's more than ten. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Um, they made you give a higher percentage than they were giving. Yeah, certainly. Um, do you think that's fair? Looking back, no, no, obviously not. No, it was. I mean, it wasn't. Um, demanded. They didn't look at my bank account. They didn't. I know in some churches they do. Um, they didn't do that, but it was expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was encouraged. Encouraged, yeah, certainly. So you were encouraged to give, say, more than ten percent. Sure. And you know for a fact they weren't giving ten percent. Yeah, I'm sure. I used to see my my dad give like a twenty pound note. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, probably a twenty pound note in the basket, which would have been like eighty pound over the month. It's like, well, I'm giving like eighty quid, which is drastically less than 10%. Yes. So much less than 10%. So different rules for you than them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll find that a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in all of church. Yeah. 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 All people are equal, it's just that some people are more equal than others. Definitely in the brethren. Yes. So they didn't teach tithing. They just no. taught give a tiny little bit to keep the lights on and we look good. Yeah. But they had finances at their Mm-hmm. Um, disposal disposal yeah, thank certainly. you finances at the disposal that could help a lot of people i think so and they chose to just stay inside yeah. their small little church yeah. dressed in nice clothes yes not giving driving in their beautiful cars and living in their lovely houses this uh, is just a rich person's club it e- is every yeah. episode yeah and but i mean the thing which i remember is that on the odd occasion um someone from the estate would say come along mm-hmm. um and as i said this lady which i told you um who was reclothed um <laughs> and uh she was like invited back to their house and it was almost like oh you can come back and now this is this is true living you know you like can they were sit, showing off yeah you can sit in a real car and we'll drive you back to our detached house and oh come and sit down on our lovely sofa you won't have one of these you've never sat on anything like this before have you and now That's we're sick. going to oh yeah and now we're gonna have a meal a hot meal oh look look at the china we use yeah these are proper knives and forks not just you know not just rubbish stuff do you it really was, do you really think they thought that way? oh i'm yeah i really really do because um i'm sure i picked up on snobby values myself yeah i mean if you're brought up that way that's how you would have thought the world worked yeah certainly so i think you know in a sense i also not quite to the extent because obviously it wasn't my house it wasn't my car it wasn't my setup but those values were taught to me and those values by osmosis i accepted Mm -hmm. uh, in a sense um which has been with me probably all of my life. And I found that really difficult to fight and get out of me because it's disgusting. It's horrible. It's a horrible trait. It's a really horrible trait. Um, But they were a proud people who liked to show off. Show off their money. Yeah, show off their money. and that's Which isn't Christian. 
No, not in any way. I mean, and anyone that does that, people don't like anyway. You know, in it makes other people feel bad. Yeah, it does. And anyone who does that, no one likes. You know, it doesn't have to be in church or anywhere. You know, if if your boss comes along and says, you know, come into my big car and mm-hmm. and I'll show you a proper house, you think, jerk. You know, I don't want to do that. You know, yeah, it's a horrible character trait. But that's that was them. But worse than all of that, um. I'm going to say I could forgive them for for doing this. No, I couldn't forgive them for keeping all the money to themselves. But but worse than all of that, I think, was the control mm-hmm. that they like to sort of enforce by this. Yeah. And control, I I want to underline and put in bold and put little flashing lights around it and yeah. everything else. You know, if you're listening on, control is a massive, massive thing. And something in your which life, isn't controlled yeah. me more than anything else. I mm. think control is fundamental. It, it's just it's massive, yeah, uh, because they controlled everything that I did, every where I went, every job I took, every person I met with, every house I bought, every anything I bought, it was all controlled by them and their um, expectations of what I should look like in their eyes. Yeah. So, you know, their detached house, posh people with good jobs, lots of money. Now, if I went out and I wanted to be, and I did want to be um, like a potter, I wanted to, you know, actually do clay sculptures or something uh, and live at the bottom of a garden in a shed, they would not agree with that um, because that would look really bad on them. It's all about appearance. Um, in fact, if I wanted to be a zookeeper, which we always joke about, but I really wanted to be a zookeeper, um, I wouldn't be allowed to do that because that's just not what you do. You need a, a proper job with a proper car, with a proper house, with a proper wife, and you need to fit into our expectations so that when friends and family come around and say, oh, Oh, what's Tom doing? This oh, you never guess what he's doing at the moment. He's just bought this new car. How wonderful it is! Um, and they're able to talk about Your me achievements, and my yeah. achievements and everything else. And that's in a sense why um, it was so appalling that I got divorced because they, I, I was you know against everything they they thought of and did because of course then you know bankruptcy happened and then this happened and that happened which was horrendous in their eyes, absolutely disgusting. So, uh, yeah, it was control of my whole life. And I think it stemmed a lot of it with money. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was to do with money. I've got a couple of stories which are going to be coming up, and I don't want to come across as being... Um, how would I put it? I don't want to come across as being spoilt and and not aware because... I was brought up in a privileged, you know, background. And so I'm fully aware of some of the stories I'm telling you. Say, so you what? But I want to put, again emphasize control in all that I'm saying. Because I'm 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 aware of people that they were brought up and they couldn't afford to put, you know, couldn't afford to eat. And in one sense, I was privileged, but in another sense, it was complete control of my life mm-hmm. that totally destroyed my own well-being in a sense i couldn't do anything um by myself it had to be 
um, with their control in my life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't done in a nice way. It was demanded upon me to do this so that I looked right in their eyes, in their church, for their people. So as a child, um, as I said, I never had pocket money. Um, but on this one particular birthday, I managed to, I, I think I had £10 for my birthday money. Um, and I was about 13, I think. Um, and, you know, literally I had two things which I loved in life. That was Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and uh, obviously I'd love to have a girlfriend, but couldn't have either of those. Um, but then I had £10. And I used to play Dungeons and Dragons in school. Um, not that my parents knew, uh, but I used to do that every lunchtime. Um, and uh, I had a best friend, which we used to play Dungeons and Dragons together. And so £10 came and I was allowed on this particular occasion to go with my friend and we went into town. And uh, Scandal. Yeah, I mean, that in itself obviously was was a big thing. I can think of like five occasions in my life when I was allowed to go into town um, and this was probably one of the first ones and, and because of that, one of the the final ones. But mm-hmm. um, I remember cycling to my friends uh, who live quite near and then we cycled into town. And the the place we aimed for was this one particular shop at the, at the top of town and they sold Dungeons and Dragons. And I thought, I've got £10. I could buy the rule book. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in a red box. I can remember the red box, and inside it, it had the rule book. It had um, had an actual adventure. Had some dice and and a few bits and pieces. The dream. The dream. It was just the best. Um, so I bought this. It came to nine pound ninety nine. I think I might have even had a penny change. You know that type of thing. Um, I was thrilled. My mate was thrilled because we had the rule book. It was awesome. Really, really good. Um, that night I managed to get home. I cycled home um, and uh, they said, oh, so what did you get for your money? And I said, oh, look, I got this Dungeons and Dragons set. Now, most of you out there will be thinking, oh, what a mistake. He mm-hmm. got Dungeons and Dragons. We know it's full of demons and witches and horrendous things. His family are going to go crazy. Well, they did go crazy, but because it cost £9.99. It was nothing to do with the content. It was to do with the fact that inside the box, when they opened the box, it just had two booklets and some dice. For £9.99, that's disgraceful. And so they insisted that I took the thing back. Now, I was distraught. And I've said before um, how that I used to cry a lot um, when I was younger. And I remember I broke my heart because it was what I did all the time. It was what my mate and I went to buy together, in a sense, so we had the rule books. And it was your birthday money. It was my birthday money. It wasn't their money. It was my money. Yeah. But I wasn't allowed to buy what I wanted to buy because they controlled even what I was going to buy. Not because of demons, not because of witches, not because of dragons, but because it cost £9.99. I had to cycle back and I took it back to the shop and I felt like an absolute idiot. I just mm-hmm. felt awful. Um, I got my money back, um, which they were reluctant to do, but I had to because, again, I welled up. I cried. I said, Aww. look, my, my parents said I've got to. It's So they did give me my money back. And then I had to go to school like the next day or, or two days later and say, 
look, I haven't got the rule book. And I, I would have lied. I can't remember what I did, but I didn't have the rule book. And at that age, that's that's quite a crushing blow. And it's pathetic. I know it's only a Dungeons and Dragons rule book. But at that age, it, it meant so much to me. And for me to not be able to buy what I wanted to buy, that was almost the start mm-hmm. of of my downfall, if I could can say it that way, because they controlled every aspect. And even when eventually I got um, a job and I earned, you know, I don't know, as we said, £40 or whatever, I wasn't allowed to buy what I wanted to buy. If I bought a record at those times, I would hide it because they'd say, what a load of rubbish. How much do you pay for that record? You know, oh, for goodness sake, you know, you've got records up there. Why do you need another one? It was their, again, expectations was I wasn't allowed to spend my money on what they would seem to be frivolous things. Yeah, and I don't think we've explained at this point the kind of financial position your parents were in. But sure. They owned multiple houses. Yes. So we're not just talking the house that they they did live in, the detached house, but they also owned a holiday home. Yes, they did. They had new cars. Yeah. And at like four holidays a year they would go on. Yeah, um, they would have... I remember they would have two cars. Father had a motorbike. Um, you know, it, was, it wasn't like, you know, we we were poor. No, but these are large, mm. unnecessary expenses. So a second home is frivolous. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yes, yeah, certainly. These aren't essential. You know, a normal house is essential, yeah. Yes. But they've got two houses yes. and multiple vehicles yes. and multiple holidays. Yes. And the holidays were very expensive holidays, you know, going on cruises and things. Mm-hmm. What must have been so confusing is that you saw them having money to throw around and them buying frivolous things and them having multiple properties, multiple cars, but you couldn't buy a £9.99 booklet. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It was a double standard. Yeah, and and I've got highlighted here, you know, what I learned. Um, I learned at a very early age that they used to class all the things that they did. The reason why they had lots of money was because they were good stewards. And because they were good stewards, God bless them. Um, And so, you know, that's what you need to do. You need to give to the church. You need to save money aside. You need to do all of these things and God will bless you. Well, they were brought up in the baby boom where houses were cheap, where there was a lot of employment, Mm -hmm. good paying jobs. And so, yeah, it was easy it was for them. Luck. It was it was luck. Yeah. It was easy for them to to buy a house mm-hmm. and then to upgrade their house and then buy another house and then buy another one because you know they just didn't have a mortgage. They didn't you know mm-hmm. have these things to worry about. And then I also learned that you you find and again I this is a blanket statement is not always the case, but I have found in the past that people with money. Uh, are very good at keeping money and getting more money. Mm -hmm. Um, And my father was very good at, because he had money, if you're, say, going to buy a car, he would haggle. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, this car is £10,000. And now he had £10,000. He could have literally put down there on the the counter and walked away with it. But he would say, no, I'm going to see how much I can get out of this guy. Mm -hmm. So he would, you know haggle and haggle and haggle um and 
one of the things I learned was, yeah, you haggle to get the best deal you possibly can. Now, lots of you will think, well, of course you should do that. Of course you should haggle for your best deal. These are big garages. They can afford to do that. And yes, to a certain extent, you can. But when we used to go on holiday and there were, um, you know, people selling things on the street and he would haggle and haggle and haggle uh, until he got the best deal possible when these this was their livelihood these were people that that really needed the money and he didn't need it he didn't need the item he was haggling for and he didn't need the money at all and that was that was quite sickening actually to start to watch i found it so uncomfortable in the beginning and i think i spoke to you about it and yeah. you, you didn't really get where i was coming from no. because you'd seen it all your life you of thought course. it was something that you did you thought yes. it was almost again a point of pride Look yes at, i i think he was very much like, look at me, I got the best deal. Like, mm. it was a powerful thing for him. Yes. For me, I always found it so, like, exploitative and uncomfortable to watch because these people would be really pushing for the sale. Yes. We would be in countries where the industry relied on tourism. Yes, of course. You know, it relied on tourists buying things. And he would almost enjoy, like, making them work for it. Yes, that's right. It was very uncomfortable to yeah, watch. Yeah, it wasn't nice. It was a love for money, again. It was. It really was. And it was for something he didn't need. The The other thing was, um, let's say we had an extension on the house or we had um, a builder would come into the house to do certain work or anything else. He'd always offer cash in hand. So the builder said, oh, there's a you know thousand pound. Your dad would say, how much is it for cash? Now, I didn't understand what that was initially. And the builder would say, oh, 800 quid. And dad say, fine, yeah, I'll, go, I'll get you the cash in a minute type thing. Yeah. And I didn't understand what that was. I just thought you were a it, was kid. A, it was a better deal. Yeah. Oh, right. Cash is better. That's a better deal. I didn't realize that that was, you know, sort of actually going behind the tax man. That's tax evasion. And dad was actually encouraging tax evasion by saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was due to the fact that he thought he got a good deal. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, okay, well, that, that must be right. That, that must be a good deal. That must be the right thing to do. And for people who are so strict about the law yes. and biblical law and not lying and yeah. not... Yes. You know, falsifying things. Yes. They, they are so strict when it comes to the law. Yes. But when it comes to money, money trumps everything. Everything, yeah. I, I, I didn't realize this until I was actually in my job and I was with a colleague and we had a company come in uh, and uh, we were, uh, they were supplying some, some products for us. And they came to me and they said, look, we can do it for this price. And uh, I was, you know, not not haggling, but you know, it was I was working with them um, to to get the best best price. Um, and then the the salesman turned around and said, "If you buy it through us, he said, I'll I'll actually give you an iPod, uh, a brand new iPod." And I said, "Oh, oh, fantastic!" Um, they were then talking to my friend, the colleague, and uh, they said the same thing to him. And he said, "Right, that's it. No, we're not buying it." He said, "Because that's deceitful." Really? Yeah. And I went. Really? Oh, oh! I I didn't realize. Now he wasn't a Christian. Um, he just realized that they were actually trying to pull a fast one. Um, trying to do that, and I thought, no, great! I'll get an iPod out of this. You know, this is fantastic. But no, he said, no, Susan, so do that. No, not having it. This isn't going to happen. And so you, growing up in a strict brethren Christian household, you were more likely to be bribed. <laughs> basically and this is what they teach you yeah, this is I've, how they 
yeah. taught you about money. Yeah, my father would have accepted that bribe. Oh, well, I'll get an iPad as well. Yeah, okay, I'll have that. And so he would have, ex- I would have accepted a bribe to basically go with them. Whereas my colleague said, no, you're not going to do that. And I didn't, I just didn't realize mm-hmm. that it was wrong because I'd never been taught it was wrong. What I learned was cash in hand is great. You know, keeping up appearances is very, very important. How you look matters How more. I look is so, so important. So um, obviously I got married and, uh, and I got a really nice house. Um, my parents loved my wife. It was uh, almost the perfect person for them. Uh, the house was almost a perfect house for them. Uh, and uh, it was great. But growing up, I never really experienced anything that a child should experience. I didn't really have hobbies. So I must admit, I did go a bit crazy. Um, and I tried all sorts of hobbies that you could possibly ever think of. I wanted to do this, and I wanted to try this, and I wanted to go there. Because I hadn't done that as a child. Um, and because of that, you can imagine if you started going playing tennis, I needed the tennis racket and the tennis shoes and the tennis skirt and the tennis, you know, I needed everything, you know. Um, and uh, then I realized actually after six months, I didn't really like tennis. I wanted to do, you know, golf instead. I didn't play any of those, actually. Those are just examples. So it wasn't long before actually I did get into debt. And my debts grew and grew because not only because of the hobbies which i tried but also because i had to i had to have the car and the house and the upbringing and the the appearance of my parents mm-hmm. it was almost an unspoken rule it was you know to be successful in life you had to look this way mm-hmm. and you had to do this thing yeah and it was expected and again, this is where I want to put control into into my sort of life, into my life story, in the sense of because they even controlled, even though now I was in a different area, um, in a different uh, sort of town, even though I was in a different town, um, not uh, living in their house, they still controlled everything I did and everything I spent my money on. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, I got into into debt quite a lot of debt actually that was my my fault I realize um and uh it, it wasn't pleasant it was horrible but you had no idea how to manage no money. I had no idea what I was doing I really didn't I know it was early marriage life as well and so you you you're learning as you're going along I had no idea what I was doing and you grew up seeing a very affluent lifestyle yeah so you know if um if your money doesn't come up cut cut it well oh, well, you get into debt. You know, that's what credit cards are for, I suppose. Um, It was expected. And they were aware of the fact that I was in debt. Um, And this was one which really hurt a lot. Did they know how bad it was? No, and I don't think anyone ever did know. Anyone ever, not even my wife, knew how bad the debt was. I did, and I kept it it quiet. Same Um, as when you were growing up. You bought the record, but you had to hide it. Yes. Yeah, exactly the same way. You were secretive about money. Yeah, very. Because um, I suppose in a sense, there are a number of reasons. One being that um, I didn't want to be told off. Mm -hmm. So let's let's imagine, you know, they found out I was in debt. They would tell me off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So number one would be the control that they would have in my life. But also the... 
the power that they had. You were afraid of them. I was afraid. I'm still afraid, but I was really afraid of them. And mm -hmm. so um, I didn't want to tell them. I didn't want to tell anyone purely because I assumed that everyone is the same as my parents. And so whenever I keep things silent or quiet or tucked away or hidden and I run upstairs, whatever, I don't do that now. Like um, a little boy. Like, oh, no. Um, it, was be it would have been because I don't want anyone to find out. And I know this is like an issue in all of my life, even now, is because I don't want to be found out because I don't want to be ridiculed because I don't want either to be told off or, or to be made fun of. Yeah. Because if I, um, slightly off topic, even if I came home, like say with homework, um, with my school books, um, I would have to hide them because they would go through my school books and they would really rip into me. You know, they would tell me off because it wasn't good enough or, you know, if I hadn't got the good marks. They'd mock you. They'd mock me, all of this sort of stuff. So I used to hide it so I'd never do the homework. And because I never did the homework, I'd always get into trouble. Now, they didn't realise that I suffer actually very, very strongly from dyslexia. I mean, I'm very dyslexic. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't realise that because no one cared, I suppose, in those times anyway, but they didn't care. It was appearance. Yeah. Um, so I used to hide everything. And uh, the debt, as I said, was hidden from everyone. Um, and uh, did you want to know how much it was, roughly? Do you have a number? Yeah. Do you, you want, want to, to admit the number? Hey, I don't care because it, it was debt, you know. Do you, do you want to know? How much do you think? Like at the height of it? Yeah. H how much was it? Okay, it was 78,000. You were 78,000 pound in debt? Yes. Did that include your mortgage? No. Okay, so yeah. you were more than 78. So 78,000 pound in, in loans and credit cards. Just in credit cards? Yeah, but I had to remortgage the house a number of times and then this was on top. Yeah, so uh, I was I was quite severely in debt. They knew I was in debt. They didn't know how much because, as I said, no one knew how much, not even my wife at the time, because I was so secretive, because I was so ashamed, because I was so embarrassed. I didn't I didn't want her to tell me off. Mm -hmm. I I was just I was hiding. I was hiding. That's what I did. That was my survival technique. Mm -hmm. I hid my feelings and I hid mm -hmm. hid about everything. Everything, yeah. Um, and so uh, anyway, they came and they said. Uh, Right, we're going on a family holiday. Now, they insisted that I went on a holiday. And I turned around and said, I can't go on holiday, um, you know, because I am so much in debt. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Can't love, afford it. Love to have gone on holiday, but I really can't afford it. And they turned around and said, no, you are going on holiday. It's a family holiday. We're all going together. Um, if you can't afford it, we will pay the bit that you can't afford and then you'll pay me back. It was like, so I'm going in more debt to keep you happy mm -hmm. so we can go on holiday. And there was no, I can't say no. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. And me turning back and saying I can't afford to go on holiday was such a big thing. Believe me, it was massive. And embarrassing, massive. I can yeah. imagine. Um, but it, it wasn't, there was no no conversation. It was you're doing it that is it um and so we went on holiday now it wasn't just me because obviously my sister and her family went on holiday as well and it proves the fact that it's not just me 
um, that had this problem because my sister was in terrible debt as well and had terrible relationship with money as well mm -hmm. because she was brought up in the same household in the same church as well and had the same expectations um and she got herself in terrible debt because again she followed the same rules her house was pristine it looked like a showroom it was massive they had the cars they had everything they needed and in so doing got themselves in terrible terrible debt and also had to go on holiday and I remember both of us saying we don't want to go on holiday both of us can't afford it and it's like well we'll pay for it and you can pay us back mm -hmm. and so I got into more debt just to please them but I, what I wanted to put across here in the brethren church was appearance mm -hmm. and was control and this is what was being taught in my life was appearance and control it, it's almost like they were pressuring you to live up to the expectations they had for you and like they wanted you to be like them or yes. at least appear to the world yes that you were as rich as them yes so they could have pictures oh look the whole family yeah flew across the world uh -huh. we're, we're all doing really well it didn't matter to them what position you were in no you had to appear to still be as wealthy as they were yeah and and also it was almost like a game within their church, I would say. So him being an elder and the other elders as well, it's like, oh, oh, we went for a family holiday and all of us went across to Tunisia. It's like, oh, great. Well, we've all gone across to Florida. Oh, yeah. really? With our family? Oh, oh, well, we're going to go on a cruise with our family. Yeah. And it was almost like they were showing, it was, you know, um, beating the Joneses or something, or keeping, up with, keeping up with the Joneses, beating the beating the want to beat the Joneses, um, but it was almost that it was yeah. almost thing that type of scenario going on within the church. Mm -hmm. I mean, how sad is that within church? You know, but and, and it's like they they almost wanted a control over how you spent your money as well. Yes, of in like, well, we'll pay for the holiday, but you'll pay us back, and then they could almost monitor. Yes you paying them back as well yeah i mean it was um again it was a horrible horrible situation to be in because obviously obviously i was in a lot of debt and to owe your parents and money. now i owed my parents as well and they monitored everything mm. they were so money hungry that they would monitor i would have to pay once a month if it didn't go into the bank that month on that particular day i would have a phone call mm-hmm saying, um, I've just checked the bank account and uh, your money hasn't gone in. Why is that? And so I would then have to give an explanation as to why I haven't paid back the money, which they made me spend in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and that was awful. It did happen on yeah. a number of occasions because obviously I was in so much debt, you know, and it that was horrible. The, the control they had there, because then if I met them on a Sunday afternoon or something and I was wearing a new shirt or or something they'd say oh is that new clothes so oh yeah I had to uh and again I'd have to lie mm -hmm. because if I said yeah I went into into town I bought myself a new shirt because I actually needed a new shirt they say well that 20 pound could have actually come to us because you still owe us 400 mm -hmm. or whatever yeah um so I I wasn't even allowed to spend then because I owed them money. It was a horrible, horrible situation to be in. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm putting it across enough because mm -hmm. 
they were aggressive with it. Yeah. It it was not pleasant. It was almost like, well, that was our money. Why aren't you paying it back? They were they were horrible with it. I almost get the feeling, and please tell me if I'm wrong, but I almost get the feeling that they enjoyed people owing them money. Again, it's a, oh, look at us. Oh, dear. Oh, yes. That person phoned up and asked us for money. So I, I managed to give it to them. Um, but they will pay us back, you know, mm-hmm. is that sort of thing. Yeah, it, it was it was a something they liked to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly put it that way. But it wasn't pleasant. No, I can it imagine. It wasn't pleasant to be on the receiving end of that. It mm-hmm. really, really wasn't. So anyway, dad um, did pass. Unfortunately, as you we were aware, he was very ill. So mother was uh, was by herself in the city and we lived in a different town. Um, and uh, I sp- spent some time with her, quite a lot of time with her. Um, and uh, it was difficult times, obviously, when you lose someone that you've you know been married to for some time. But she started again getting even worse with her money if that's possible so my father left me um in the in, in his workshop um loads of machinery and it was wonderful machinery um but uh, and stuff i'd been taught to use at a, at an early age but i didn't have the space to put it and my mother wanted it gone she said, i want that gone from uh, from the workshop uh, and i said well i i've got nowhere to put it she said well you're going to have to sell it then I said, but that's my inheritance. She said, well, you know, then then sell it. So I spent a long time going through all of that and eventually did get someone from up the line to come down with a big truck and they, you know, I sold this stuff. It being my inheritance, you would imagine that therefore I would have the money. But no, it was in her garage or in her workshop. So she insisted that she had the money. My sister, who is a similar character to my mother, if I can say that, also insisted on a slice of that money mm-hmm. uh, and I ended up with, with just a part of my own inheritance um it was the fact that she took it again you know it was she had so much money and yet she insisted on everything a cut from everything a yeah. cut from everything she wanted it all which was just it was sad but being the the dutiful so son I am um I saw that she was very upset and uh, I decided that maybe I would I would move into the city uh, to be closer to her, to support her you know, in her, uh, you know, difficult times. Um, so we actually packed up everything and uh, we decided that we could actually rent one of her houses. Um, so we actually packed up everything and we moved into the city and we actually rented one of her houses, um, which was great, you'd think. Fantastic. Apart from, number one, she insisted that we paid full market value for this house, Um, even though we are coming in, and she was thrilled that we were coming in to be closer to her, she insisted that we paid the full amount. A friend of mine who was quite a close friend, uh, when he found out, could not believe that we were paying as much as we were. He said, but that's your mum. I said, yeah, I know, but that's the market value. So he said, but she could charge you anything. He said, she hadn't got a mortgage on it or anything. I said, no. He said, so you're paying the full amount i said well yeah but you know it's it's rent so 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 be it um but what was not good again is this big word control 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 because we were now in her house and she was her she was our landlady and she treated us like a landlady 
Even though we were a son. No, no, we weren't. No, worse than a landlady, she, really. She treated us like a landlady isn't even allowed to treat people. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she. we used to um, have her around to our house every Thursday. Um, we used to cook her a meal. I used to go and pick her up. I used to drop, drop her home. Um, but the horrible thing was that um, she would sit down and she would almost mock us, would you say? Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost part of the agreement as well. Like, yes. I, I don't know if anyone out there has ever seen Gilmore Girls. Sure. But it's it's so reminiscent yes. of their situation where Richard and Emily are incredibly wealthy. Yeah. They make it known. Yes. They enjoy their money. Yeah. And Lorelai needs some money, so takes a loan from them. But part of the agreement is they must have regimented Friday night dinners. Yes, of course. Yes. Even though at those Friday night dinners, they would treat her quite, they would be judgmental. Yes, they would, yeah. They would sometimes be, they'd be critical and and they would lord the money over her head. Yeah. In all decisions that she made. So it would always come back to, well, we're paying for Rory's schooling, you know, yes. you wouldn't be here without us. And, and they make it so known. Yes. That she owes them. Yes. And it was very much like that. Like It really was. Yeah, certainly. I mean, she'd sit there in the chair and uh, it's like, well, you know, this is this is my house. Mm-hmm. And she would mock sometimes. She would make the joke. And she would say it was just a joke. Yeah. But she would say, I could have you out of here anytime I want. Yeah. You know, this, is, this isn't your house. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she would want us to remember. She would. That we did not own that house. Yeah. It, it was, was a, a horrible, hor- yeah. horrible situation. And she would ask things like, oh, have you got much work on? And not because she was concerned about the fact whether we had much work on. It was, well, if they haven't got any work, how are they going to pay me my rent? Mm. You know, but it was the control again. It was the absolute control she had. And the feeling we had every week she came around was like, oh, no, here we go again. What's she going to say? What's mm-hmm. she going to do? What's she going to go on about? Yeah. Um, and like in a normal landlord tenant situation, they're not allowed to turn up unannounced. No. They're not allowed to be critical, be judgmental, come into your house, threaten you yeah. to, to be kicked out on the street, those sorts of things. Yeah. They wouldn't be allowed to because there's boundaries. That's right. But we signed a professional contract. We agreed to live in this house and there were no mm. professional boundaries. Yeah, certainly. It, there was no, it was all blurred. And it, it was, was blurred. It was so messy. And it was a real mess, yeah. Um, and I remember on one occasion um, dropping her home um, and uh, she was laughing and this really hurt, but she was laughing and she said, oh, you know, what with the uh, the money crashing at the moment? She said, interest rates have gone down. She said, you don't know what. She said, but I lost £30,000 overnight. <laughs> oh, dear, I just lost it. And I'd lost it inside. I thought, what a horrible person you are just to giggle about losing money. You know, that money could have gone to anyone mm-hmm. to, for anything. That and, sort of money to a normal person yes. is life-changing, yes. is massive. But to her, it was laughable. Yeah, it was an absolute joke because she lost that money overnight. And it's just like, that's not a nice character trait at all in anyone. And yet that was the sort of character trait, that was the the sort of things that were happening within the church. It was... Because she then turned around and saying that a, a couple of days later, she talked about another friend of hers who was in the Brethren Church said, I think they must have similar sort of investments as me. Because she said they also talked about the fact they'd lost 30,000 and we laughed together. 
And I thought, so yeah, these are brethren church people all getting together, talking about how rich they are and how... And they don't tithe and they don't evangelize and they don't accept people into their church that are different. And they've got these massive pots of money that they've accumulated and they just mock people. Yes. Yeah, certainly. It's infuriating. It's infuriating, but then it's the control they have in that situation as well. You know, Mm -hmm. behave like us, spend like us, look like us. Otherwise, actually, you're not accepted. Mm -hmm. You're not accepted unless you actually are like us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so strange how they didn't let you have any access to money growing up, even though you could see them spending it Mm. and having so much of it. Yes. Like growing up, you had an idea of the fact that you were wealthy. Yeah, of course. But they wouldn't let you spend your own earned paper round money on on records or or anything. Yeah, that's right. Which would have given you such a warped idea of what money was. So as soon as you had it, you're in debt. Yes. And then they're like, oh, get more in debt for us. Yes. And I I remember having this one conversation with them, maybe when I was working, and I I remember being really upset. And I said, you do realize it's you that's made me lie. Because they talked about the fact you're always lying. And I said, you do realize it's you that's made me lie. They said, how ridiculous. How did we make you lie? And I said, because... I have to lie to be accepted by you. I have to lie to hide things away from you. If you were accepting of everything, I wouldn't need to lie. Yeah. But you were making me lie. And they said, no, we're not. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see that they were in the wrong Mm. at all. And that, again, was another character trait I didn't like. And it took me a long, long time to try to get rid of the lying that I used to to make, you know, Mm. to survive, basically. So I wouldn't be told off, so I wouldn't cry, so I wouldn't be ridiculed, so I wouldn't, you know, all of these things. Yeah, certainly. So just, you know, almost like a few wrap-up thoughts almost to this. The things I learned was bending the law, cash in hand, that's great. Do that. If you can do that, get as as lowest price as possible. Doesn't matter if it bends the law a little bit, that's fine. Um, Another thing haggle and haggle and haggle and get the lowest price possible it doesn't matter if that person really needs the money and actually really is desperate for the sale you know so much so that they'll go as low as possible because they're desperate for the sale yet you got the best price so you haggle as much as you can it's a power dynamic yeah absolutely it's a power dynamic you feel powerful yeah so point number three there is so much joy and love and laughter in screaming at someone who didn't perform as best as they could have done and so you got money back Um, that's a good thing to make them cry and everything else because they just didn't do the job properly as far as you're concerned and so you got money off Mm -hmm. or you got money back that's a great thing to do Um, that's yeah point number three do you have an example for that I have got so many examples. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but it was something that often used to happen. I mean, you think of in restaurants, um, if you know something was slightly cold or it was slightly not as they they thought they you know should be, they would just scream and shout until they got their money back. I think I wish Ryan was here for this one because I think he remembers a lot of stories yes, growing up, and it was the reason he hated family holidays yeah. because he'd want like the earth to just swallow him up yeah. when they would be trying to get discounts and refunds yeah. and it it kind of turned into like the money that they would get back was more important than how they treated people of course of course um i 
do remember on one occasion being told a story. I wasn't there, thankfully. And again, um, I hated, you know, when this happened. I wanted the world to swallow me up anyway, and just I would have given them double and walked out. Mm -hmm. But supposedly on this one occasion, they were on holiday. I wasn't there. And the meal wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And so they screamed and shouted and said, we are not paying it. That's disgusting. And so we want to speak to the manager. So the manager came out and they said, this is disgusting. We paid or they want us to pay this for this amount of food. And we're not going to do it. And he said, if you're not going to do it, we'll call the police. And they said, well, right, that's it, call the police. And so the manager did call the police and the police came. I think they were in America at the time and the police came and they had to sort it all out. I, what a terrible attitude, an elder of the church mm -hmm. being in the situation where they're refusing to pay money for something that they ate, for something that they did, and having the police called out on them. But it was a matter of, as far as they're concerned, principle. But it wasn't. It was a power control thing a again. Thing, yeah. It was control, control, control. Yeah, so point number four, or was that three or four? Three. Point number three, yeah, make people cry as long as you get your own way. That's fine. And we can laugh about that later on. I'm sure there are other rules as well, which are what I've learned, rules of, uh, that I've learned. But uh, those are the three, really, which I think are you know quite pertinent, really. And what a sad way, sad, sad way to learn uh, and to live your life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what wonderful, good, Christian, rich brethren people they were. And that's the odd thing when you bring it back to the Bible. You wonder how they feel when they read certain stories in the Bible. Like Jesus. It, yeah, it was in those days. Like Jesus tipping over the tables. Yeah, certainly. In the temple. Yeah. How furious he was with greed. Yes. He hated greed. He hated extravagance. Yeah. He taught like humble living and self he did. self sacrifice. He did. But they feel I'm I'm sure at times they felt that they were doing the same, you know, inviting the poor people back to their house. Oh well that's what we're doing. Um giving their rich um suits to poorer people so they could join us their church to be cloned into one of them well that's what we're doing you know? yeah that's that's a few simple acts of of giving items away but i'm talking about the greed surely yeah. they must have realized how much joy they were getting out of money was becoming an idol and yes. would have been something that jesus wouldn't have approved of yeah like jesus did not approve of hoarding money no there's there's stories in the bible of of people being punished for burying their money yes. and, and keeping it away yeah. and, and hoarding money. That, yes. that was never the point. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, How do that's... they read stories like that and then think, oh, we're going to become, you know, massive yeah. rich people with multiple houses and yeah. we're going to lord money over yeah. people? But, I mean, there is there are many Christians even now who who believe that having you know three jet planes is is for the for the lord mm. um for you know or as we said before you know my uncle having the, the very very latest mountain bikes was well god wanted him to have that mm -hmm. so there are many christians that have this warped sense of well importance it, importance and and well god wants me to have this you know god wants me to be rich mm. he's blessing me therefore you know Hey ho! I'm keeping my blessings. You know, yeah. I I don't know. I, they look at it as though they've been blessed by God, and other people, well, you're obviously not being blessed by God. And the other know? weird thing about it as well is like the brethren from everything you've said so far are very old-fashioned, strict yes. Victorian. Yes, which is all about saving money yes. and again living humbly. Yes. And they didn't have many things, yes. and they didn't have luxuries. Sure. 
how has the Brethren Church been able to cherry-pick the Bible so much that they have to abide by thousand-year-old hat laws? Yeah. But they don't have to listen to the rest of the Bible about being kind and generous. Yeah. I'm sure in their own minds they make up their own stories to say they are doing what they're doing. But it's only when you get out of the church that you suddenly see the lies and the farce of it all, isn't it, really? Mm. When we're in the church, um, we believed all that we were being taught and all that I taught, I believed. And I thought, no, this is right. This is, you know, we're going the right way. And then you come out of it and you think, what on earth? What was going on? Mm. What a mess. You convince yourself that you're doing the right thing for the right reason and that you're great, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure that's what they think. They're convinced. I think if Jesus did exist and he came back, he wouldn't recognize any of these people no. as his followers. No. He'd come back and see these mansions that they live in. Yes. And the way that they mock people and yes. the way that they judge people and the way that they control and you know, your your dad doing underhand tax evasion yeah. deals to save 200 quid or whatever. Yes, that's right. That's not Christian. No, That's no. not law-abiding, no. which is supposedly what the brethren stand for. Exactly. He'd be shocked. Yes, yeah. And yet they think they are the only Christians on earth. They think they're the holy ones. Yeah, they really do, that they got it right. Why am I always the one that ends up getting so mad in these episodes? <laughs> I think we're going to call it a day there, really, aren't we? I mean, mm. there's, again, so much more. I'm sure we'll, we'll turn this off and think, we didn't mention. Um, and that's why I think Facebook's great. You know, we do have that Facebook group. So if you have things and questions that you'd like to ask, please write them down there. Um, there is a, a link down below. So if you'd like to join the group, um, then please do. Just click on the link and join the group. And uh, there'll be more of us, you know, mm. talking about these these stories and things. Um, thanks also for the emails we've had this week. We've had some really, really amazing emails um, with some questions, some really quite pertinent questions, which um, we are going to actually address in a uh, episode coming very soon, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, thanks ever so much for the questions and the emails and the messages and the stories and everything that are coming in. Please um you know continue to do that and share with your if you can with your friends and uh and see if we can you know sort of grow the community that just that little bit bigger yeah and if there are any people out there who have escaped the Plymouth Brethren if you're yeah. listening to this and you can relate to any of the stories we'd love if you could write in um send us an email or again Instagram Facebook that sort sure. of thing because at the end of this sort of mini Plymouth Brethren deep dive series we'd like to highlight a few stories of people who have managed to escape yeah, sure. and people who have found freedom and yes. you know we'll keep your name anonymous of we're course. not gonna give out too many details or anything like that but if you'd like to share how you escaped yeah that would be really great and we'll read them in a future episode yeah it'd be fantastic so thank you for listening to this one thank you again tom for sharing no worries and making me real mad don't forget you can email us and you can message us on all of our social media platforms and you can join us next Sunday from 10am to reclaim our Sundays. Yes. So, bye! bye. Do, 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 do. Arthur, come back, please. Do, 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 do.